Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be me walking through the ability changes coming into the game next season in Season of the Worthy. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. And if you're watching on YouTube, hitting like, share, subscribe, and the little bell button and leaving a comment is a great way to support the channel. So I'm going to try to quickly walk through and read this because they are making a lot of changes. I want those to kind of be in our mind when we're talking about this. So I'm going to read through what are they actually doing. Second, I want to talk about this is probably a trickle-down effect, or I'm calling it a trials-down effect. Haha, <laughs> play on words, right? It's like a trickle-down effect. They're kind of legislating the game around what is coming in trials. I actually want to talk about why that's a good thing. I think some people might not like the idea of bungee tuning Crucible around trials, but I want to talk about why that's probably good for the game as a whole, and then I'm going to end with a few concerns that are still lingering about PvP in general. So, the first thing they start with is Warlock Melee. We're extending the Warlock's basic melee range by 1 meter to a total of 5.5 meters. Warlocks will still melee slightly slower than the other classes, but they'll now have a 1 meter advantage. If you can use this window to land the first melee attack in a slap fight, you'll likely emerge victorious. We feel this is a more interesting solution to melee disparity than homogenizing all the melee attacks. Translation, if we made all the melee attacks exactly the same, that's kind of boring. We feel like this is a better solution so that there's some thought behind using one melee over another class to class. So they said they're going to be studying the data. One of the big changes they're making is the Titan Barricades. They, uh, again, they're legislating around with trials in mind. One of the one of the concerns is it's so powerful you can put it down and safely resurrect your fallen teammates, making Titans and their towering barricade a humongous influencer in the game of Trials. So they're creating counters to the barricade while also raising its health from 500 health points to 600 health points. The following weapons will now do 30% extra damage to barricades. Snipers, grenade launchers, linear fusions, machine guns, trace rifles, and anti-barrier weapons. The following weapons do 60% extra damage, shotguns and fusion rifles. I happen to, I'm kind of predicting that a lot of folks are just going to throw anti-barrier on their primary and that's probably going to be what they do is they're just going to anti-barrier team shot because you're going to get the 30%. If you can run an anti-barrier mod, that's not nearly as costly in the game of trials as using your sniper rifle ammo or, you know, something like a grenade launcher, trace rifle, your shotgun and your fusion as well. I don't know if folks are going to want to sacrifice that ammo when they can anti-barrier team shot. A lot of the times you're going to be losing target acquisition mod or counterbalance mod. People will probably have to expect experiment and see, you know, maybe they'll maybe if, if a team is really, really utilizing this, they'll switch to something and they'll become the wall buster. Again, one of the reasons they probably shouldn't do locked loadouts and trials is exactly this. If you run into a team that's really leaning on barricades, you're going to want to have weapons to counter that. If you run into a team where there's no barricades at all, you're going to want to be able to switch those weapons out. Oh, this Titan's not ever using his barricade. I'm wasting my slot. I'm wasting um, my weapon positioning. Then they move on to one-shot abilities. Uh, They're taking a pass on all one-shot abilities to tune their risk-reward factor. Really good stuff in here. I think everybody saw this coming. Um, Some of these were ones that I was told I was wrong about. I was surprised people thought I was wrong about, and they're happening. I did not see something happening to shoulder charge again. I know shoulder charge is annoying, but in general, I don't think you're going to see a lot of it in in trials because trials is a little bit of a slower... Uh, you know, waiting for a pick sort of play style. But uh, right now, 
Titans could previously auto-target to make an instant 90-degree turn, so they have reduced the auto-targeting angle by 50%. We've also adjusted the lunge distance to 5.5 meters for both targeted and untargeted lunges. Targeted lunges were previously 6 meters, and untargeted lunges were 4.5. So, you're actually going to be able to use it to go a little bit further when you're just using shoulder charts to get around. When you're untargeted, you're going to go an extra meter now than you used to go. So, using it to, like, jump across and charge onto a ledge or something, this would be nice in PvE for those of us that use it to kind of, as a, almost, it's not skating, but you kind of add it to your forward momentum. So it is going to help you get around a little bit faster, but they've reined in targeted lunges by like half of a meter. Hunter's Weighted Knife, we've reduced its tracking significantly and created new tracking tech that will make the knife more faithful in its initial throw trajectory. This is one that I said was going to get targeted. I had a lot of people disagreeing with me saying those are outliers, those clips are absurd, it's lag, it's latency. Bungie doesn't seem to agree with that, whether they base it on their own testing or not, I'm sure they did. Uh, Tracking is being significantly reduced on the Hunter's Weighted Knife. That thing was like turning corners, so I don't think we could. I don't think we could chalk all that up to uh, lag, latency, or anything else. Handheld Supernova. I don't think it surprised anybody that handheld was going to get a pass. It was probably one of the more common complaints of the community. Uh, its strength, they claim, lies in its pairing. Oh, I'm sorry. While part of its strength lies in its pairing with Controverse Hold, which are also being tuned. We don't know what they're doing to Controverse. Our data indicated that even without Controverse Hold, Handheld Supernova needed to be adjusted here, the changes. So increasing activation time by 0.6 seconds. So a little more than half a second longer to activate. Reducing hold time from 3.5 seconds to 2.5 seconds. Reducing the range by 20%. Tighten horizontal spread of the bolts by 25%. Bolt explosion now does self-damage. Reduce bolt explosion radius from 3 meters to 2.5. Now, they're claiming in their own playtesting, and even Griffin commented on this, that they think in the hands of the right player, this is actually a buff. Um, if, if you're really, really precise with it and smart with it, it's actually a buff if used properly. It's just more reined in. It's less of a machete and more of a scalpel. Still sharp, still gets the job done, but it has to be wielded by the right person. Before it was more of a machete, you could just kind of like use it a little bit more recklessly and get a lot of kills. Now, they're also talking about general subclass tuning. So they said Stormcaller top, Striker bottom, and Arcstrider bottom have remained dominant in PvP for multiple seasons now, consistently beating out all other paths in win rate. So those paths are going to be, as they said, brought closer to the middle of the pack, while others like Voidwalker bottom, Nightstalker bottom, and Striker middle will get some love. So that's exciting for those of us that really like, you know, Code of the Missile, um, Nightstalker bottom. Voidwalker bottom is an interesting one. I'm curious what they're going to do. Devour is already kind of pretty strong in my mind, and uh, we'll just see what they do. They end by saying, Hunter trip mines are sticky again, so you can turn people uh, into unicorns once again as we all loved doing in D1. Not me, but lots of people really enjoyed that. So, I would say these are really, really good tunes and adjustments. All the PvP guys I follow, their only concern at this point in time is cheating and power enabled, and they disable the artifact's power and trial, so that's that was hugely celebrated. So now the only like lingering concern is anti-cheat and DDoSers. Everybody seemed to really, really like these. Lumi said these are some of the best adjustments he's ever seen. Lumi's not really prone to hyperbole. He's pretty calm, pretty reserved guy. And uh, he said these were great, great changes. He was one of many, many of the PvP guys were saying this. Now, I'm calling this the trials down effect. 
like a trickle down effect. They're legislating for trials and it will trickle down and affect the, 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 the meta in the rest of the game. Dictating balance from trials down, I actually think is a good philosophy because going in the other direction is really, really difficult. Trying to legislate for sixes and really, really full matches and peop- and, and games that are a little bit m- just more careless and a little bit more uh, b- bombastic and chaotic, I don't think you can legislate in that environment as sharply and as precisely as you can in Trials. Trials is a higher skilled environment, 3v3, you really have to be good and that's when you're going to really start to see certain outliers rise to the surface that need to be put into check. So I think this is probably the right philosophy for how to balance crucible and this is something that we talked about in the past like this is something that like my name is bife talked about lead from the front lead from the front is what he said tweak the game from the front from the top in in essence like let the people that play the absolute best expose those problems and have the game tweaked accordingly Uh, in my mind i think this helps ensure a really really good competitive scene without disrupting the entire crucible uh, you know ecosystem and ethos if they go in the other direction you can really not have a good competitive scene and still have problems and still have outliers this ensures a competitive scene while also ensuring the spice and the and the feel of destiny is still there and still maintained because a lot of these changes i think are very, very reasonable they don't seem like they're outlandish and over the top I want to end by some concerns that are still obviously on everybody's minds. It's great to see these tunes and these changes and these adjustments, but anti-cheat is a giant question mark still. Maybe when you're listening to this, they've already answered this question. We're not sure if and when we're going to get an answer to anti-cheat because we're, you know, we're hoping this week in the TWAB. That's probably the biggest and most significant question mark right now, followed up by DDoS prevention, or not prevention, but at least quick bans on people that are, you know, obviously DOSing. I don't think it's that hard to see who's doing it also the question is how quick do updates come some of these changes feel slow some of these people are like oh finally you know these are taking a while are you going to let a season of trials just kind of go and then visit things every season or mid-season are we going to see things adjusted that maybe uh, were over adjusted or not adjusted enough how often are Bungie going to be making these changes is another big question mark because trials is every freaking weekend and if they don't get this right, it could really start to sour the experience and drive engagement down if some of these adjustments don't land right or there's other outliers or other weapons that become problematic. I, I am concerned that people are going to start to criticize you're making PvP for trials and the hardcore players. I, I, I'm going to do my best to hear that concern or that criticism and try to speak against it because I do think this is probably the right way to adjust sandbox is you do you start at the top and then it that it it trickles down into the rest of the game but i think that's probably going to be a criticism that people start to make the other concern is don't over bake the cake don't nerf don't make the meat too tough don't go back to destiny 2 year one is a concern that folks have you start really whittling down abilities and sauce and weaponry and you're going back to the boring years of d2 year one where everything was very basic and very neutered I'm not concerned about that, but I'm already seeing people saying like, oh, with all these nerfs, they're taking us back to Destiny 2 year one. As far as I can see, they're actually making pretty smart adjustments to bring a balanced and competitive environment to Destiny. Again, anti-cheat's the big question mark. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. And if you're watching on YouTube or any of the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe. 
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about the incoming ability changes, the question and answer session that came after that talk. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably catch me live right now. And if you are watching on YouTube, hitting the like, share, and the subscribe button is a great way to help me out. A question in chat I do need to answer. It's very pressing. What do you push your groceries around in the store? We call them, we don't call them buggies. We call them um, shopping cart. It's a cart. It's a cot. <laughs> Wicked smart. Get a cot. After you pack. All right, let's get into this. We were doing funny accents before this. Uh, Tangs says, did Warlocks really need a melee buff? I see the melee around corners in Crucible. Yeah, I don't really know about that one. That one was the one that made my eyebrows go up a little bit because it was like, now wait a minute. I mean, Warlocks were punching people in the future in D1. I mean, that, that was a line that I've come up with. That people, <laughs> people in the comments always laugh at that one. Like, oh my gosh, that's so funny and so true. I mean, you were punching people th- that weren't even in the game yet with the melee in D1. And so to give them even to give them more range, I think is wor- is a little worrisome. Just a little worrisome because it's like is is that is that actually going to result in another sort of you know melee being too far now that again they said it would have been kind of boring to be like oh we just homogenized them all so all the melees are basically the same that would have been a little bit more boring was kind of their line of thinking so i i do think that the melee needed to dress i mean they're looking at the numbers and saying like this thing basically sucks in comparison the concern I always have is when they mess with range because Warlock melee range was insane in D1. Uh, Warlocks automatically lose all melee fights now, right? Like, I don't think it needed to be um, ignored, but I'm always concerned when they go the range route because of what we had in D1. Uh, Johnny, why do think pe- why do people think Bungie makes the six-man matchmade activities unfailable? Wouldn't the rewards feel more valuable if you had to overcome adversity? Well, you have to understand something. The reason they make them unfailable is a six-man matchmade activity is a new concept. I'm pretty sure the first time they ever did something that was a six-man matchmade activity was Menagerie. So, the idea there is you want people to be able to just jump in, enjoy the activity, and have a good time, and not have their experience diminished by, we got a couple of bad uh, bad players, right? We, we got a couple of, oh, you know, we got a couple of you know, I, I don't like using mean words, right? Look at a couple of dum-dums. Yeah, but you get some dum-dums on your team. You know, they don't know what they're doing. And that y- you don't want to get stuck and be like, or, or, or. It's one thing for it to go slower because you get stuck with Johnny No Thumbs. It's another thing to be like, I'm back in orbit with no rewards because of other people. It's just one of those things where I do think in the realm of six-man matchmade, it is probably the right call to say, it's not failable. However, your turnover rate of loot is better if you're a polished team that's going quickly. So, I that was one of the things about Menagerie they got right. If Menagerie would never have landed with the glitch running back and forth thing, I think people would have really, really liked that rhythm. You can run it really quickly with your teammates. <clears throat> what is it? You know, 10 minutes? Somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes. And you get, you know, you get a quicker turnover rate. And then a bad team or a sloppy team or <coughs> excuse me or a match made team they're able to get it done but it takes them you know almost twice as long sometimes like if it takes me 10 minutes 11 minutes somewhere in there and it takes you and your team around 20 minutes I think that's fair I can run it twice in the time that it took you to run it one time so Lona did a guy named Johnny pick on you when you were a kid yes and my revenge on Johnny 
He said, I always use his name. Johnny No Thumbs, Johnny Two Left Feet, Johnny Lead Feet. A lot of Johnnies. Some of them sound like gangsters. Yeah, get Johnny Lead Feet. Get him in here. Like, I just, I don't know. It's just the first name that comes to me. But Johnny, if you're out there, I still hate you. Anyway, Lord of Time. If they did a Weapons 2.0, should weapons start off blank? You choose your perks through the mod, so I think you build a bear or choosing your pizza toppings. I would prefer to build a bear of pizza toppings. Anyway, I this is not what we need in the game. Um, anybody familiar with my content knows I'm going to shoot this down. I don't want us to build guns or craft guns. That's not as exciting as, oh, there's a new perk combination. There are new perks. There's this new gun. There's this new this. Go and get it. As opposed to getting a blank canvas weapon that you build into a god roll. I genuinely think that's the antithesis antithesis to grind and loot pursuit. That becomes a time sink. How much time will it take for me to get the currency and and the resources necessary to build a god roll gun? Instead of, how long will it take me to get the one that I want, which is different for everybody's experience because of RNG? It's also related to your patience. You might be good with a good roll. I might not settle until I get a god roll. As opposed to, everybody knows the exact god roll. Everybody knows the approximation of like how much time it's going to take to get the currency, the resources, and the pieces and the parts to build that gun. That I don't think is destiny. Number one, this game doesn't have a loot pool to sustain that because you're just going to have people making a god roll hand cannon and they're done. Oh, it's going to get sunset. If you read Luke Smith's article, Director's Cut, about sunsetting, their goal is to put really dope weapons in the game for you to pursue, and that's one of the ways they're going to be able to do it. This runs completely counter to that because you would just be creating the best version of a given gun or archetype, and then you'd kind of be done. There'd be no loot pursuit. You would just you would focus an entire season on making a god roll. So I always shoot these down really, really quickly. You caught me at the right time. It's early in the Q&A. If this question comes late in the q and I'm like, nope, crafting's terrible. I don't want in Destiny, and I kind of push on. Vorpal. Do you think Bungie are moving to make each class more different to stand out playstyle-wise to make your choices more significant? And then, are they doubling down on this with subclass changes too? For example, the variety of melee's abilities we've seen. This, I believe, is a little bit too much of a deep read on this. I think you're reading too deep into the tea leaves, as I always call it. Trying to predict where things are going by the little fragments that we have. What we know what what they're doing right now does not seem to be coming from a place of we want all the subclasses to be vastly different. I do think they wanted some dynamic variety in the classes, so like every melee is not identical. But I don't think that means they're going to go where playstyle and subclasses are more significant than they are now. It already is like that. I mean, if you run a titan with shoulder charge, or you run a hunter with throwing knife, the weighted throwing knife, or a warlock with handheld supernova, your positioning, your playstyle, your decision making is all different in relation to what that subclass can do, which is why they decided to tackle Towering Barricade as well, because that would have become almost a go-to subclass for trials. Everybody just run Titan. We can throw down a bunch of these towering barricades and get reses all day long, especially if you really favor your ability regenerate. They didn't want to have to gut ability regenerate on a Titan, because if you pl- if you spec right and build right, you can probably have those towering barricades with decent regularity and always have them ready for a res, and that would have led to very frustrating gameplay, especially with certain maps allowing for folks to kind of hole up like ticks in an area. You just can't get to them. 
or if you try to there's a lot of risk and a lot of failure that comes from it because you're compromising yourself out of you know exhaustion or desperation or you're exasperated you're like can these guys freaking stop hiding in here and you just kind of get sick of it and you give way uh to impatience that's probably one of the primary things that i do poorly in destiny and environments like trials is i give in to the the exhaustion and the exasperation temptation of well just push in i'm sick of freaking waiting patient teams tend to uh, win the day a lot of the times it's not the only thing that wins a game but a lot of times it does determine it so i think the changes are more in line with creating an environment where what's already happening is happening i believe that the subclasses are different but some of these changes i don't necessarily think are so each subclass feels vastly different it's probably more in line with we don't want every subclass running the exact same stupid thing towering barricades controversial hold handheld supernovas and these throwing knives that's all you'd see in crucible and especially in trials and it would have been pretty frustrating um we had some subs come through jocko the taco with 14 months you're the best three months from sharadsky 31 months from freebird a batman wait wrong time slot you're the best do thank you stop uh stopless 87 do you think the trip mine change will make it a one-hit kill? If so, hunters would have two one-hit kill items, one that can be uh, installed instantly refreshed, and three if they use an exotic. That's a good question. I honestly don't know. I mean, maybe they're hopefully they're aware of what you're saying. If this is a viable build, then that could be problematic to have a one-hit kill throwing knife as well as a grenade that can one-hit kill. More than likely... Um, uh, it should say instant, not install. I got what you meant. Like it was an instant refresh, uh, or I, I think I said constant refresh. I know what you mean, instant refresh, because one feeds the other. I don't think the grenade will be a one-hit kill. I think it 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 takes them down to being like absolute. I don't know how this worked in D one, but more than likely it'll be it'll be you take them down to being absolute, and I think that's fair. Um, there's always a danger with anything sticky grenades or tracking being a one-hit kill and given that we've got shoulder charge handheld supernova and the throwing knife I think is good you start tacking onto that and doing more it could get really it could get really nasty because that's when if you rem- if you remember the end of destiny one that was one of the major complaints everyone running sticky grenades and icebreaker uh, sort of like things that get around a gun meta because you can just lean on a one-hit kill ability or you're getting around the gun meta and the flow of special by using something that generates ammo so that those were those were real significant points of frustration i don't know if they're going to want to go back there ashen which class do you feel is going to be the strongest in trials after these changes i it's it's really hard to say i think you're going to see a lot of titans truth be told i think that barricade is going to create so much pain and decision making that a lot of teams will not be equipped to deal with and I do think that ability to get a res or to protect yourself is probably going to be significant in a 3v3 environment Um, especially it comes down to map control and early picks Um, I think you're probably going to see a lot of titans the other I think the other class you're going to see probably quite a, uh, a lot from would likely be still the handheld supernova uh, warlock, especially if the melee is going to be longer, um, going to be one of those things where you're going to have to 
test the waters for a while. The slower the slower the gameplay, the the, the metas are very very different. The metas are very very slow, um, more patient with really crazy collapses. So never seen you play Destiny. Well, you've been following me for twenty three seconds, so I don't give a frick. Uh, Iranian instincts. What do you think will happen to PvE, ner- PvE nerfs with all the weapon adjustments, especially with the new weapon and sunsetting that they're adding, which seems to stem from exotics? What do you think will happen to PvE nerfs with the weapon adjustments? Well, you would hope you would hope that they wouldn't feel the need to nerf as often, right? The idea would be these weapons are somewhat kept in check. So if we've got, you know, new content coming out, then you don't have to worry about something coming into the new content and breaking it. Um, especially because exotics exotics are so strong. Those are the ones that primarily get a lot of attention. But then you had like the Recluse. Uh, Mountaintop got indirectly nerfed. Because generally speaking, and we went all the way back to D1 the other day and, and did a little bit of a like a... We did a little bit of like a, a history lesson. We It was like, well, if you're... If you're going to go into Wrath of the Machine with an unnerved touch of malice, it was going to cause all kind of problems because Wrath of the Machine was all about damage thresholds. How much damage can you output and how quickly can you do it? And I think Touch of Malice is a good example of they didn't have to nerf Touch of Malice if there would have been a sunset system in place back then, right? If they would have had a system in place to sunset stuff then Touch of Malice would have always been at its most viable and like it felt so good in King's Fall, they wouldn't have had to chop it down. So more than likely, PvE nerfs will be less frequent and the PvP nerfs will still be there. I, there's still going to be stuff that you know gets outside the bell curve and then getting outside the bell curve becomes, you know, like we got to address this. But in PvE, um... I, I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen as often because the hope would be it would be like a Venn diagram, right? There's always sort of a batch and a circle of weapons falling off and mattering less. Um, you know, more and more. So when I when I think about the way that they have addressed nerfs in the past of a PvE weapon, of a legendary specifically, that's usually what they have in mind. They, I don't necessarily think they're concerned about you burning down a public event boss or a strike boss because you can run the recluse pre-nerf. You can run the recluse, the Ikelos shotgun pre-nerf. You could run all those things in strikes, public events, lost sectors. And I don't think you're going to feel like, oh my gosh, this content's garbage. I really did start to tell people the recluse didn't really feel like a problem until I went into a raid. That's when it suddenly felt like, wait, I, I feel too strong. I don't, this doesn't feel like a challenge. This doesn't feel like, um, this doesn't feel like a true, uh, you know, difficulty spectrum. I'm, I'm bypassing it. It's kind of what it felt like. And the hope would be that that doesn't happen in the future. They would design something like Recluse or design something like the Touch of Malice and be like, yep, it's great. It's awesome. And you know, nine or ten months later, it uh, nine or ten months later, it's really, 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 you know, still worth using, and they don't have to nerf it. I wasn't sure what was going on. I kept looking back. I was like, "Who is here?" It, the, the walking around the house sounded differently. I was like, 
wondering if there was like a maintenance person here or something. Um, I think it's because my wife's wearing like boots, like rain boots. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would say, I would say, hopefully that they can start creating weapons that are stronger, better, and then when they get sunset, you're not like, oh, it's terrible, it's ruined. It's still great when you take it back into its environments where it's relevant. Um, Mojo. DDoSing is obviously a pretty big concern. Do you have any recommendation on VPNs or sponsorships? I'm sure many of us are looking at getting one. I did a couple sponsorships with, um, what was it, NordVPN? I know they had an issue with, like, they got hacked and people got information. I mean, at this point, it's almost like, when's that going to happen? Because it seems to happen to almost every freaking company. I don't know if the problem was what they didn't tell people or something. I don't know. Everybody swore by them, said they were a great company, said their services were awesome. A lot of people still use them. But I do know they had an issue with, like, something like people's personal information got hacked. So, um, uh, I'm thinking more of an italicized feel. Wait, how do you, that's, how do you spell italicized? Ital... Lusized? I'm just going to let him read it phonetically. I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> C1 Nick. Do you think that there are any other abilities that should have adjustments made? Um, I. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I don't have any. I don't have any right now that I can think of. Chapster. Hey, Lono, do you think that we need to balance the abilities even more so people can play different classes besides hunters stacking most lobbies with the crazy cooldown on dodge? I don't know if that's going to be... I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think you're really overstating how simple it's going to be. Don't sleep on Titans in their towering barricade. Don't sleep on what they said about handheld supernova in the hands of the right player feeling like a buff. Um, I wouldn't. I would not sleep on those um, at all. Um, the left and middle definitely not the right based on impulse with the upcoming changes to handheld supernova do you think that this will make handheld a more skillful ability or will it be too much believe me I hate handheld as well but I think that middle tree void is very subpar other than handheld at the moment well I don't know what Bungie's philosophy is on this is every subclass supposed to feel like well rounded and viable or should it feel like you're sacrificing something for another so the idea would be handheld supernova is a scalpel in the right hands and when you're picking that class that subclass you're you're essentially saying I'm I'm gaining handheld supernova as a scalpel that has very, very helpful uses. However, it's not, you know, it's not as good in these other places. They just buffed the super. Yeah, they did say they were doing some stuff with the super too, like Nova Warp. So I don't necessarily know if every subclass is supposed to be perfectly well-rounded. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're picking, maybe not a glass cannon, but you're, you're picking a... I don't. I guess I'm just going to keep using the scalpel analogy. You're picking a scalpel for a specific purpose. Like you know, maybe a particular map is really, really friendly to the grenade throw distance and the placement of those grenades. Like I would think, anomaly would be a good example. Some of the ramp 
and door and choke point control you could have with handheld would be really nice. It'd be hard for people to get away. A more open environment or one with doors like Cauldron, maybe handheld's not as useful there. I'm just completely speculating like off the cuff here. Those are just examples of or hypotheticals of where you might say handheld's great here, but it's not on this map. And you come up with maybe different builds depending on the week in the map or even depending upon the people that you're playing against. Chief Pogchamp, do you think there should be a one-shot kill ability? In my opinion, I think it makes the game cheesy. Well, if you go back to the era of no one-hit kill abilities, which would have been Destiny 2 when it first launched, uh, I definitely think that that was a time where everyone was very, very uh, bored and annoyed with how weak we felt. This is Destiny. This is space magic. I, I do think I do think you're going to need one hit kill abilities in this game. Like it just is that's the way Destiny feels. You just have to figure out how to mitigate around it, how to eat around the fat. C1 Nick says, I saw some people talking about Devour and I wanted to know if you think it should be touched anyway. I don't know about Devour specifically, but I know that subclass is getting a pass. Um um, second it says negative space of spikes in your logo octagon, but that's not needed. All good. Um, uh, oh, that's not what I meant to do. Sorry, sorry, Chad. I got to respond to that. Doesn't uh need to be related. Completely, its own thing. Sorry, if I don't provide the feedback now, these guys have to wait. Uh, he could work. He could slam out another couple iterations while I'm doing Q and A. So I appreciate your patience. Lately, I've had to interrupt Q and A to answer emails and things. This pretty big project. I don't want anything to slow it down. And me waiting an hour and a half of Q and A to answer a question that could actually slow it down. Uh, if we get an iteration and we nail it and we like it, then they can move on to other things. Um, Stu uh, Stopla says, "Do you think that Bungie has found the right balance for Pinnacle Ritual Weapon Quest yet? It seems last season was too grindy, and this season was too quick and easy. It's possible they're experimenting with two extremes, and they try to land in the middle." Um, Anthony, with two months, thank you. I don't have super strong opinions on this because exotics are the same way, right? Some exotics are super fast, some exotics take a while, and I don't necessarily think we need to be like, nope, exotic quest should always be this long or this hard or this grindy. Some exotic quests are super fast while others are slower. Same exact scenario with, you know, rituals could, could be taking place. So I don't have a super strong opinion on this. Sanctified Mind says, do you think they will have to nerf Revoker after the barrier change? Right now, if you shoot a barrier with Revoker, you get the bullet back. That's actually really, really good feedback because, I mean, one of the things I said about this current, you know, the current system that they said is anti-barrier will be really popular. Why are you going to waste sniper ammo on a wall? Well, if you get the ammo back, they're going to have to think about that because then everybody's just going to tear down barricades with Revoker really, really fast and it costs them no ammo. It needs to be costly, right? It's like a chess game. If I'm going to take down your barricade, there has to be risk and cost related to that if there isn't risk and cost related to that you have now nullified barricades as long as the other team is running revoker um 
a barricade is meant to be a choice that the other team makes and they're sacrificing things as well instead of running a hunter or a warlock they're running a titan and the titan's utility is a barricade and if you take that utility away simply by running revoker then that undercuts the titan's viability and trials and that's a balance problem both both pieces need to have you know thought behind them instead of it's thoughtless if revoker just if you know tears it down Casino 7. This is the first time in forever. Is the Q&A form not working or is this going to be the shortest Q&A in history of the last couple of weeks? Maybe people are just questioned and answered out. This is actually the last question and we haven't even done like a full 30 minutes yet. That's crazy. I was trying to go faster because I'm so used to less question. Um, Casino 7. Well, with sunsetting on weapons, do Pinnacle Perks need to make a return if the old ones will no longer be here? Well, yes, I think this is actually a really, really good take that I didn't even consider. So something like Desperado, there's actually grounds for them to bring back Desperado because they it's been sunset, right? If the if the Claymore and the, if the Redrick's Claymore and the Broadsword get sunset, I think it's totally legitimate to be like, oh, those can that you know that perk can come back now, or maybe come back in another way, or come back paired with something else. Um, I've wanted a pulse rifle with Desperado for such a long time for PvE. I don't really play PvP. And I think it'd be awesome to see it get some more distribution. Also, if Bungie puts out a a pinnacle weapon in Vanguard, let's say it's a shotgun with some sort of really cool perk that everybody really, really likes. and And it's viable in a lot of different places and then it gets sunset it'd be cool to see that perk show up somewhere else like maybe next time it's on a pinnacle weapon but in the crucible or in gambit instead of the you know the vanguard it's a great way to keep things fresh like well a year ago we got this really awesome pinnacle smg in the vanguard and it was really strong and it had great perk combinations it's since been sunset now we've got one in gambit we can go after keeping things kind of on this almost like this rotation of relevancy uh, Co- Colo Polo says in trials do you know if we will spawn with special ammo I remember them making a change but I'm not sure about it carrying over in this version of trials or not uh, you do uh, in elimination you already you already yeah you do actually spawn with special ammo um, I think the question would be uh, the question would be how much and does, and does it carry over because um, usually I don't know what they're doing with elimination right now it's two bullets when you start okay does does it carry over so if i kill a bunch of people and i pick up all the greens does that does that total carry over into the next round it doesn't carry over okay good that was always a significant problem and a little a little bit of a rich get richer like you kill a bunch of people you run over their ammo and then you go oh people are saying it does carry eugene's saying it does carry over people are saying it carries in survival and elimination I don't know. That was always a concern. That was always a little bit of a rich get richer situation where you land those plays and you get the ammo and you take it over into the next game. So they may need to look at that. That was always, I I always felt like that was a complaint and a, and a, and a frustration in trials was the, the special ammo carrying over. Um, because if you get a bunch and it carries over, then you have a lot more ammo to lane control with snipers and maybe play aggressive with shotguns. So, I'll be interested to see if they give that any treatment because I know that was something they were always fiddling with in D1. Deck. Do you think at any point in Destiny 2 or even Destiny 3 
we will see skill trees like in D1 again. I definitely think if and when the next game happens, Bungie would be more prone to giving us customization of the skill tree that is more involved than it presently is. I still think they would do the attunement thing. The reason I think attunement is so smart is you have a solar void and arc subclass. And when you go into each of those subclasses, there is then another subclass essentially in there. There, You know what I mean? You basically have three versions of the solar subclass. Three versions of void, three versions of arc. I actually think that's really smart. And so you could then sequester certain abilities from each other to keep things from being too strong. I'll give an example. Let's imagine Way of the Thousand Cuts with the current system, and you have like attunements, and then underneath those attunements, there's all these things to make them stronger. Well, Knife Trick as a melee ability when combined with other really strong abilities elsewhere could be too strong. If you imagine each attunement has something that's sort of like the thing that defines it that is really, really strong, you don't want to have that thing that defines it being so strong and then come coming alongside of something else and creating a monster, creating a, a Voltron, if you will. You're grabbing the strongest thing from each subclass and pairing them together. There's more justification of a, an ability and the investment in that ability to be really strong and awesome. There's more justification if it can't be paired with certain other things. That's where the painful decision comes in. Oh man, knife trick is wild and crazy right now. You can invest in these other skills because it you drill down, right? This would be a larger, right? This would be a larger skill tree. So you would pick way of a thousand cuts and then you would drill down, upgrade and change, you know, knife trick. And knife trick could be really strong and you could pair it with an awesome exotic. And it's allowed to be that strong because you're not getting weighted throwing knife that has its own stuff that makes it strong or maybe not weighted throwing knife that's a bad example because they're both melee maybe there's some grenade attunement thing on another class that if it was paired with knife trick would be too strong on their own they can both be like an 8 or a 9 out of 10 of strength like they're so so strong but when you pair them together it would be absurd that's typically where broken builds come from is when you take one ability that's good and another ability that's good and you bring them together in a way where it's too complementary, it's too synergistic and there's no reason to run anything else so I would say that I could see them doing this because it actually gives them more excuses to give us power and strength again keeping certain things sequestered from each other like you know whatever you get on way of a thousand cuts it's, it's a set number of things and abilities that you don't get if you pick another solar attunement on, you know, Hunter. Jizzle Pop. Do you feel that masterworking weapons should cost less now with weapons being sunset? I think the cost is totally reasonable. People that are primarily concerned about this, you know, endgame viability. If you're concerned about endgame viability after 12 months, then it's likely that you have a decent amount of resources and currency at your disposal. Um, Flynn lives with three months. Thank you. 36 months from heavy lifted, dude. Three years have flown by. Keep it the great times and content. Thank you. Uh, yes, I'm better than you. Should class usage be the reason adjustments are made? Top tree storm was used a lot because it was good. Grenade had potential, but I wouldn't declare it OP. And now the class is probably getting nerfed. Well, they said bringing it into the middle of the pack. We'll have to wait and see what their decision was on that. They're also trying to raise some of the others. 
I do think there's always a bit of a dilemma around nerfing or buffing according to usage. I thought it was funny that that one developer guy, what's his name, Rami? He was extremely rude, uh, subtweeting about Paul Tassi, like mocking Paul Tassi's article, acting as if usage is not a reason to do nerfs or buffs. And I'm like, Bungie uses the usage numbers of, of stuff all the time to make nerfs and buffs. They've been doing this since the Mita in D1. So I, this is another time where it's clear they're looking and saying everybody is primarily choosing these and not only that these are also accounting for more of the wins and the, you know more of the wins in the gunfights as well as in the games themselves so we want them to be more in the middle of the pack again we'll just buff the other subclasses that's where you get into power creep where you're always trying to make everything stronger and then eventually we're just too strong so I would say they're they're making the right choice to rein in things instead of buffing everything. Um, and I know that's less exciting than buffing everything. But as we've said before, if they buff everything and then they have to buff all the enemy health and buff all the encounter health, the result is no different than nerfing. You just gave them a bunch more work to achieve the same ends. You made all the weapons and all the abilities essentially equal, and then because they became equal in power, the entire game had to get a pass of buff and making things stronger, and therefore, you're giving them a ton of extra work just to do what amounts to the exact same result. Bryce is Zard. What ritual or pinnacle weapon types do you think we will see... Uh, next season for the various activities I have no idea on how to speculate on this we've we've gone round and round you know you could do a there hasn't been a machine gun yet for crucible there's been one for both crucible I'm sorry there's been one for both um, Gambit and Vanguard Uh, there has been an SMG for crucible there was an SMG for, for Gambit so there could be an SMG for the Vanguard and then as far as Gambit they could do I don't even know I, it, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of maybe a hand cannon I, it's hard there's so many different weapon types I think somebody's going to have a ritual or a pinnacle sword I, I definitely agree with that because of the changes that they made Sharadsky there's a lot of anger towards certain class abilities especially the one shots in your opinion do you think that three classes are in a good spot balance wise with all of their abilities or do you think that the balance will be better or worse I think the things they outlined are needed listen one of the reasons people get mad at one hit kill stuff is because it's it's tough to see the lesson in a one hit kill okay so you come around the corner and a guy um, snipes you it's like well okay, the lesson that you learned is I need to be better about coming around the corner. Maybe I need to slide around corners. Maybe I need to avoid that lane entirely if this guy's going to kind of hard scope it, right? If somebody comes around the corner, you come around the corner, and they just chuck a grenade and it kills you, or they run around the corner and shoulder charge you, it's really hard to see the lesson in that. It's not the same as, oh, they're using thus and so weapon that comes with thus and so benefits, and I should avoid engaging at this interval or this area or approach the lane differently. And because of that, I definitely think that's why people tend to rage against things like that, because there's no lesson, there's no audible, there's no, I'll do this differently. Now, with some of the things, like with shoulder charge and handheld supernova, you can certainly 
stay away from a choke point if you know you're playing a team that's playing that way. If they're playing aggressive, you can stay back from a choke point and play a more passive game that puts pressure on them. They're going to get close to the choke point. They're going to enter the room. It's going to be harder for them to close the gap and get to you if you're shooting them with a pulse rifle or a hand cannon. So you're staying away from those choke points. If you're always, always right up against a door or close to a door, you're likely getting hit by somebody sliding around the corner with a shotgun or shoulder charging or handheld supernova or the throwing knife. Now, this is not... I don't want to get platitudinous like, oh, well, the solution to one-hit kill stuff is just to play differently and sit back. It's not always that simplistic. You know, sticky grenades and trials at the end of D1, there wasn't much you could do. You had to get close to players. You got to try to go make plays. And a lot of people, when they knew they were going to be losing a a mid-range gunfight, were almost instinctively throwing that grenade and sticking you. And then, and then you trade in a fight that they were, they were on pace to lose. Um, it was like an instinct. People just knew they're like, Oh, I got shot twice. Boom. Throw the grenade. And it kind of got frustrating because every shootout turned into what felt like martyrdom from World at War or Call of Duty. You know, it was like martyrdom grenades on the ground every freaking time I'm going to win a gunfight. It kind of felt that way. So one hit, one hit kills are always going to frustrate people because you don't feel like you had much of a response or a change to the one hit kill. That's why minimizing their, if you minimize their frequency and their ease, I think people will complain less. A lot of the times it's the frequency and it's the ease of use. It's like, dude, I, I, I this guy always has this or oh, this is so easy to do. That's when it becomes a problem. If it's really hard to pull off, like if targeting on shoulder charge is lowered and handheld requires a lot more, you know, precision and intelligence, then I, I definitely think people will still complain, but maybe they won't complain as often. Maybe they'll complain about it in a way that maybe is illegitimate. Like people could say, listen, man, if you got killed by a one, you know, a handheld supernova or a shoulder charge, you're probably, you're probably getting too close and not paying attention to radar and you gave somebody an easy pick. It would be like long peeking a lane and getting sniped and being like, oh, he's one hit kills. It's like you long peeked the lane against crafty. Like you're going to get domed. Um, so bumble 17 and unpopular as it would be uh could you see a time where they sunset exotic armor to allow more creativity and have us not running rigs forever yeah i think guns getting sunset makes sense i think even exotic guns getting sunset makes sense because they could have introduced izanagi's izanagi's could have been king for a year and then it gets sunset it's still king in those environments if you go back and want to run those old raids for whatever reason collections or you just want to get some of the armor or something or maybe there's something in there that's a low drop rate like an ornament or a, a emote or whatever that gun would still be good right it would always be good in that environment, but it wouldn't come into the present and break content. The same example I've been continuing to use is Touch of Malice. Now, armor is different, though. I think the problem with armor is Bungie has so many armor pieces that are a complete and utter waste of time, and then you have other armor pieces that are almost no-brainers. If you're going to be running PvE on a Void Hunter, you're just going to run rigs. Why would you not? They've made too many of the of the exotics almost like... You know how when you played Borderlands 2 and you would get to the end of a skill tree and there was the capstone thing that you got? 
a lot of exotics feel like a capstone. It's almost like they're part of the attunement now. They're part of the subclass. You run, you run rigs, right? You're going to run well. You'll run Phoenix. You know, you're going to run. I, I don't. Even, I'm trying to think of one for the Titan. If you run anything that's like aggressive melee style, you'll probably run, um, you know, Skullfort. It's it's hard. It's harder with a Titan, I think, to be like, oh, you have to run these exotics. Um, Bubble was saying 14. Yeah, maybe. Again, those exotics start to feel like a capstone to the subclass as opposed to something that just brings something extra. You're going to run Tether, run Rigs. You're going to run Bubble, run Saint 14. You're going to run, you know, you're going to run, um, you know, Phoenix Protocol with a well, right? Yeah, Doom, Doomfang. Um, and if they sunset those, you're gonna, you're basically, you're gonna have to give people something to replace it. And maybe Bungie could go back and say, "All right, we're not gonna do exotic armor any uh, armor anytime soon, but we're gonna repurpose a lot of this armor, make it better, make it more usable, whatever." Um, they give you the illusion of choice, but there really is no choice. You're gonna run the best thing. Well, that's any game. That doesn't mean there's no choice. I mean, you're always gonna try to run what you think is the best. I agree to an extent if they sunset exotics, it puts a bigger pressure on Bungie regularly to push out high-quality exotics that can be used in the endgame content to replace the guns we've used. Right. I do think that's part of the piece that people are missing in this equation. Bungie is essentially putting pressure on themselves to give you good loot. They're not just going to be able to take your loot away. So... I believe they're putting pressure on themselves. It's like this big project that I'm working on. I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. It's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be really hard. I'm not going to put all this time and effort into it and just be like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll wing it, you know? And I don't think Bungie's going to add workload and changes and updates and patches and systemic and systemic changes to the loot itself, only to say, uh, yeah, it's all the same stuff that you've been getting all this time. Mormon Eagle was six months. That's a purple badge. It's uh, so fluffy with three months. That's a blue badge. Surge 606. Has Bungie said anything about skill-based matchmaking and trials? It is connection-based matchmaking, card state matchmaking. Connection-based card state. So if you are on the last game or the first game, it's going to try to find people that are also on that game of the card. And then it's also connection-based. Now, obviously... We all hope it's connection-based first. Check the Eastern region of America. Who is in game one, two, or three? You know, have have a decent spectrum of card state. And then, okay, Eastern region. Who is on their final game of the card? Nobody. Extend the cards range down to second to last game. Third to last game. Don't be like, oh, we can't find anybody on their last game of the card. We better have you match with Asia. Like, and then you're like, what the frick? Um, so it should always be connection should never be deprioritized simply because people aren't to that level of the card yet. Think about it like this. Every Friday, teams go for worlds first. It's not like something Bungie gives away a belt or a blog about, but people go for worlds first. They want to be the first team that week to go flawless. That means there's always going to be a small percentage of players that get to the end of their card on Friday. They get there first. And Bungie is likely going to have to say, well, some team got to the last card in, you know, Europe 
and somebody in Florida got there as well, we better match them against each other. And then you kind of derail that person's attempt. What you should always say is, this person is in this region. Find a team on the last game. Can't find a team on the last game? Go to the next to the last game. Go to the next to the last game. The region should not be expanded simply because you can't find somebody in the right card state. I would even go so far as to say, even if you can't find anybody on the back half of the card and you got to match me and my streamer buddies carrying me to victory, we're on our final game, right? We're all Eastern and you can't find anybody on the back half and you got to put us against somebody who's only on their third game. You still should do that over ruining our experience by throwing us into a mismatch region connection. Like you shouldn't sabotage my card with bad connection oh but that's not fair that team's only on their third card really what do you mean they're playing trials they're gonna face a tough team eventually anyway it's better to have a team on their third or fourth game face a team a little earlier than maybe they should and have connections be good than to sabotage and torpedo the team on their last game by throwing them into a bad region match That's literal garbage. Like, they've worked hard, they've earned their way to that last game, and you don't want to, it's not fair to sabotage them, because you can't find somebody in their region on game, you know, five, six, or seven. Just, or make people wait. Well, you don't want to do that either. You don't want to do that either, because that has depreciating returns. If matchmaking gets bad and crummy and takes forever, because they're being too rigid on matchmaking algorithms, then people get bored and they stop playing. And the less people that play, the more, you know, the more, the more, the longer the connection times. Death Stranding on PC June 2nd. Oh, finally. I want to play that game so bad, but I want to play it on PC. Now we have to wait and find out when Horizon Zero Dawn hits PC. I think they're going to launch Horizon Zero Dawn as a surprise in the summer when they announce HZD2 to get people uh, to get people to you know care about the next one. Disagree, but why is another region bad? Uh, they could have good internet. No, Killjoy. It's not about that. It's not about good internet. If you make an Eastern region match people in the Asian region internet's not the issue latency is the issue it's not about you can have the best internet available in kentucky and if i match you against somebody with the best internet available in china it doesn't freaking matter the ping and the latency is going to be terrible you're you're quadrupling the milliseconds of ping which which is it's an awful experience it's already a bad tick rate like you're gonna make it worse by a region mismatch it's it's not even it's it's not even about that. I don't care how good your internet was and you have 300 ping connection. Right, like if you if you go back to the old school days of playing like when I played Quake 3, okay? I had good internet in the house, really fast internet. And when I would connect to an eastern server, I had a ping of like anywhere from 10 to 20. That's 10 to 20 milliseconds of time for packets to be sent and received, okay? That's what ping represents. I believe that's it's milliseconds, right? Anyways, I would scroll down through the server list and I could see western servers where my ping would be like 150. Um, a good example is when Harry used to play Fortnite with me and we would be on Eastern servers and me and, and Brayden had like 30 millisecond ping and, and Harry had 150 
And so he had a terrible experience. There was latency in his building. There was latency in his edits. And if we played on his servers, me and Braden would have all this latency and all of this delay. So min-maxing, I'm sorry, mismatching regions in something that's hyper-competitive is a terrible, terrible choice. That should never be the option. There should never be like a, well, there's nobody with enough wins on their card, therefore you gotta go and you gotta go into um, you gotta go into this other region. Like, I really, really don't think that that's, that that's the right call. Um, so good. Um, wondering uh, wondering about slanted slice. Um, Sorry, I'm being distracted. Somebody's making something really good for me. I really, it's, it's, it's like, it's like right on the money. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, that, that's, we, we've, we beat that dead horse enough. It should always be region, 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 region. I don't care if they're only on their second or third game. If that's all the, it's, if that's the only person you can match me against in my region, then that's the way it should go. The integrity of the match matters more than your sense of fairness. Okay? I, I'm going to stand by that. The integrity of the match, the integrity of the connection in the match matters way more than some sentimentality about fairness of they're on their final game, they're on their third game. That is to a certain extent is subjective anyway because those players could be really good and on their third game and they could still crush you right I could be on my last game and match against Lumi it doesn't matter that he's only on his second game he's going to steamroll my freaking face and it'd be fun and I'll laugh maybe I'll get a bullet on him but you see the point It the integrity of the match matters way more Um, here I need to pull the ask banner back up there we go marine with the ability changes creating a larger skill gap do you believe that we will see a skill gap toward weapons soon this is a hard one to know i mean skill gap in weapons is definitely there i think aim assist on the on the spare rations is just absurd i watch people use that weapon and i'm like this thing is absolutely absurd they have to tone this down. It's like the thing doesn't miss. Um, and I know it's. I'm seeing clips from people that have very, very good aim. Like you know, M Tash has had some pretty good clips recently because he's been using like the, the Kovacs aim trainer. I think BSK picked him up. Um, and I mean, so obviously I'm watching a very practiced player, but I'm like that freaking gun doesn't even miss. It's like magnetic. Um, cause even I can see he's not always ex- like perfectly dialed in. Now M Tash would like jokingly argue back that like oh no I'm, I'm i'm perfect every time um that's one of the problems when you have a really really strong weapon a really really high aim assist is in the hands in the hands of m tashed it's like it's like a perfect gun it's like the gun never misses and so i definitely think some of the weapons need to be especially that one in particular needs to like reined in a teeny bit um just a tad <laughs> this lower its aim assist a little bit um but skill gap is there okay you can give me the best god roll in the game spare rations and have me get in a shootout with crafty wish you luck m tashed uh lumi they're gonna beat me in almost every single shootout they're better than me 
like I'm not going to be able to a weapon strength or aim assist is never better than the skill of another player that's like really high skill I think where the rub is and where the frustration comes in if I'm playing somebody of equal skill if you find a team or a player or whatever and me and this other player are of equal skill and I have a really really good spare rations and they don't well then that that you know that can turn the tide of the gunfight and that's one of the problems I think is that you're often it's blatantly obvious that I can't overcome the skill of somebody way outside my hemisphere like Lumen but if I'm if I'm shooting against somebody who is at my skill level with a gun like that, then it becomes, I have to run this weapon. People, if spare rations is not addressed, anybody who's playing Crucible, is gonna, especially Trials, they're going to feel like they have to run spare rations because they know they're going to run into really stacked teams running spare. So it's like, I have to run it. And I think that's when you run into a problem in the meta. The meta is good right now. There is a lot of variety, but I do think at the higher levels of of like of people com- like competing, if you feel like I have to run this weapon to compete, that's not the best. You know, that's not the best meta. Now you're always going to have weapons that become sort of the best in class, but I don't think you want it to be so clear that like this is the weapon to use it would be nice if there were some hand cannons in the mix that got a little bit of love we saw some good feedback from people like I think it was true vanguard ramblin and ninja with no L I think they were interacting with guys from Bungie on Twitter about giving some of the other hand cannon archetypes some love because there's only really one archetype worth using and so that discussion was kind of showing that it's it's a very thin field right now in the higher level hand cannon gameplay Marie I'm sorry PhD um, says PhDJ sorry if a bit off topic do you think D1 trial style of heavy ammo would be better than the current style of fighting for one box um, I think there's a there, there's definitely an element of um, heavy round that I think was cool like oh it's heavy round you had to, and if you and if you forgot it was heavy round, it, you know you kind of got it, it was pretty punishing. I kind of like the heavy round when you could wave off heavy and it disabled heavy. And if the other team didn't wave off heavy, you're like, okay, fine, we're gonna have a heavy round. Um, I don't know. Yeah, people always you know fighting over the same box. It'll be interesting to see how they decide to put it in trials. I don't currently know, you know, if they're gonna do the heavy round wave off thing but I don't know I liked that I thought that was cool I liked watching like the really high skilled guys get really deep on the card and have two really really good teams two stacked teams waving off heavy I don't know about you but that always excited me there was something about the confidence of that the the purity of that of being like we do, we're not using heavy right we're we're waving heavy off I actually really liked that um, I thought that was a cool feel and a cool, you know, cool vibe. Um, I don't think it's in Elim. Yeah, I don't know. Spicy Cuban Pappy, one of my one of my favorite names to say. Just joined. Sorry if it's been asked or covered already, but with sunsetting, will Bungie be making new perks or just rotate current ones with the different combos? Luke Smith strongly indicates in the blog that they're doing this so they can create better weapons, stronger weapons. Um Okay, I'm getting I'm getting this in chat here. Dylan said that the wave off mechanic will not exist in game, but people will probably still use it informally. 
yeah <laughs> i would never trust and like well i guess it announces it in the in the in the kill feed if they grab <clears throat> i i would never trust it i would never trust the wave off well unless you know the people right stopless 87 are there any artifact mods this season or last that you would like to see make a full-time return uh, like they suggested could happen i w- i don't know i liked oppressive darkness Maybe it was a little too strong, but I liked Oppressive Darkness. Maybe I shouldn't like Oppressive Darkness. It seemed a little problematic. Um, It seemed a little problematic. Godzilla, do you think something should be done about casting time for Titans and Warlock class abilities? Hunter dodges are incredibly forgiving, but animations for Rifts and Titans leave them vulnerable. Here's where I think the trade-off is Godzilla, and I'm only thinking off the top of my head. A barricade is a sustained benefit and a dodge will only benefit you if it's quick so it needs to be quick or it's not beneficial and the rift has a sustained benefit that again outlives the instantaneous benefit of dodging so i can i can 100 see where you're coming from but i do think dodging is worthless unless it's quick barricades and rift are a sustained benefit and it benefits more than just you other people can hide behind it you can secure a res you can help people stay alive on a control point um it it pushes the other team to almost have to use a grenade or have to push or have to make a play they're very very strong and influential i know that is extremely frustrating to be shooting a hunter and have them do that little whoop they just like dip out of the lane i loved when they made hand cannons better near the end of the life cycle of D1 and I loved going in with a hunter it was my favorite that emergency button was so nice just get out of the lane it was arguably maybe too strong in D1 uh, shade step it was so so strong you could almost as long as you were paying attention unless you got suddenly randomly very quickly team shot you could almost always get out of the lane in time to survive it was very very saucy I think exotics have made dodge so strong that they sway my idea of them. It's possible, it's possible, Godzilla, that maybe there needs to be some trade-off on some of those exotics. Maybe some of those exotics need to have an indirect nerf on dodge. I don't actually know enough to say more than more of the generic, like, 30,000 feet philosophy talk I'm giving you that dodge, dodge deserves the quickness because it doesn't work without it and the other two deserve to be a little bit slower because of what they offer in a more sustained team support way so and low eagle i've literally spent all weekend arguing with people on reddit about weapon retirement the undi- the underlying argument i've seen is i don't trust bungie to honor their word and they did it in d1 why are so pe- why are people so hung up on the weapon change during the taken king well, the Taken King wasn't a sunset, so people are misunderstanding, and obviously then they're misappropriating that point in time in the game and using it to back their argument when it doesn't support their argument, okay? The Taken King is actually works against their argument, because if they would have just sunset items as we went then the taken king would not have been necessary but the taken king was necessary because nothing was set up to sunset there was no system 
And then the Taken King is also a good example of weapons that were kind of boring because there was no sunset. All of the raid weapons were boring in King's Fall. If the raid weapons from King's Fall would have gotten sunset 10 months later, Touch of Malice would have never needed nerfs and the guns could have been a lot more interesting. You don't think it's a coincidence that right after they realized they gave us weapons that were too strong in Vault of Glass, the very next big expansion and and, and raid that lands in the game has a bunch of boring, not that exciting primaries. None of the primaries in King's Fall were any better than a hung jury that you could get from Dead Orbit. It was the exact same scenario we're in now. A bunch of samey, boring, safe legendaries. Why? Because Bungie's like, anything you make right now has the risk, if it's too strong, of corrupting future content. Enter Touch of Malice. Touch of Malice is an exotic, it's exceptionally strong, and its abilities was going to ruin Wrath of the Machine, so it gets nerfed before Rise of Iron comes out. And it's like... How can anybody look at that scenario and look at the history of D1 and not see that the Taken King is not in support of your argument? It's actually a repudiation of the idea that sunsetting should come to the game. Sunsetting needs to come to the game in order to allow them to create stuff that is interesting, powerful, and strong because there's no risk in it corrupting future content. If the, if it's always available, if you can always use it, it's a, it's a mathematical problem. It's like, well, this weapon's a 10. The only way to make future content or, or, or rewards better than this is to make an 11. Well, if you make an 11, 11's too strong. All the content feels too easy now. And then the next time, you have to make a bunch of weapons that are 12s, and then 13s, and then 14s. Instead, okay, instead, what I feel they've been building is a bunch of 8s and 9s. They build weapons that are a bunch of 7s, 8s, and 9s. They're all along the top of the spectrum. Nothing truly feels like a 10 out of 10 legendary, except for something like Recluse or Icolos Pre-Nerf. Icolos Pre-Nerf was actually an exotic. I mean, let's be honest. It was outdoing exotic heavies. However, okay, I feel like up until now, they've been giving us 7s, 8s, and maybe some 9s. The hope would be, in this new system, they could fill a raid with a bunch of weapons that are 10s, And it doesn't matter that they're 10s, because in 9 months, they're not infusible, and all the new raid weapons that are 10s the next time automatically feel stronger, right? Automatically feel stronger. I, you know, it's like... the, the The more I look at this and the more I think about this, the more it feels... The more it feels right. It's like they... They can't give you a 10 right now because a 7 and an 8 is safe for forever. If they give you a 10, it's risky because it'll come back around into new content in the future. Godzilla. Are supers simply too powerful? Don't you think something should be done about super damage resistance or is something like Vorpal enough to counter for you? I don't play enough Crucible to comment here, Godzilla. I... I, I really don't. I, I, I think that supers are meant to be like a chess game, okay? They're meant to be like a chess game. You got roaming and shutdown, okay? Roaming and shutdown. Roaming and shutdown supers are a chess game. Because if they're going to hold on to a roaming super like Nova Warp, and you know Nova Warp is sm- strong, and you got to dunk... You got a Nova Bomb. You're going to keep that Nova Bomb. Your Nova Bomb ain't worth it if you blow it on one pick and then that guy can save Nova Warp and wipe your dadgum team the next round, right? 
It ain't worth it. Like, if you use your Nova on a pick to tie it up, and you know they're going to come back next round when it's tied, and the next one wins, and they have an uncontested Nova Warp, you're in freaking trouble. I absolutely love that chess game of supers in Trials. It was always my favorite aspect of Trials. The chess game... The chess game of supers was awesome to watch. No, 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 no. Save it. Save your slam. Yeah, save your Titan slam. Save it. And sitting on your super and waiting. What is that freaking player going to do that's got his Goldie? What is that player that's going to do that has his Nova? Like, I don't know. There is just something special about that. Watching the best of the best players navigate and predict and try to anticipate what the other team is going to do. One of my favorite things to do, a couple of times, I would watch Wish You Luck, and he'd be like, all right, push in, get the pick. Okay, we got the pick. He's going to do he's gonna do um, Tickle Fingers. And he was telling his teammates what the enemy was going to do, and they were doing it. Like, they were doing it. I loved it. I was like, oh, this is the best. Watching people that understand the game at such a cerebral level that they know what the other, they know what these guys are going to do in response to what happens. I, I freaking loved it. It was one of my favorite things um, to watch. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, sorry. Sorry, 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 chat. Um. Sorry, I have to respond to this. Um, we're working on a we're working on a logo, and I want to be able to empower them to move forward. Uh, so. Sorry. Next question. Cataclysmic. Do you think Bungie will ever make it to where all platforms play together? Crossplay is a desire that they have according to um, according to Mark Noseworthy. But he also indicated that it, it, it's a technological challenge right now. It's a desire that they have. But the issue is for Fortnite, for example. Well, Fortnite does it. Fortnite, you're playing on epic servers. So all they're doing is is allowing console servers to coexist. Like, they're allowing everybody to exist in a way that, like, okay, you can connect to the same servers. The difference on... The difference with what we do in Destiny is it's peer-to-peer. So the, the challenge is there's no architecture built for your... There's no architecture built for your Xbox account to interact with a PlayStation account. There's no architecture built for that. So they'd have to build that or somehow have Sony and Microsoft agree. Like, there's this, this isn't anything built for it. Having servers talked, like, having people connect to the same servers is easy. That's been happening since uh, Rocket Arena. No, Rocket Arena. I'm freaking stupid. Um, oh my gosh. Rocket League. <laughs> Quake 3 Rocket Arena is on my brain because of that new, that new, um, diabolical game that came out sorry rocket league did it first (laughs) rocket league did it first and then fortnite came in and did it second so if they provide the servers that infrastructure is already there right now somebody on a sony can interact with a server uh you know they can somebody on a sony can interact with a server that is is there and so can somebody on xbox you're just opening up the servers to allow it um 
Lang Solo. Could you see more perks created to counter and enhance abilities? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. We don't know what exactly they have in store for armor armor perks and gun perks. It's possible. A little psycho. Why do you think they do not make raid-specific weapons any more like Vision of Confluence? We just kind of talked about this going back to, like, King's Fall. They have been making very safe you know, raid weapons. They've been making very safe raid weapons ever since... Sorry, I'm checking the temperature on this new PC. It's it's rock solid. I was just... I can hear the fans. They spin up sometimes. I'm like, okay, is everything okay? I'm a little paranoid. They, they've they been making very, very safe, boring raid weapons since King's Fall, if, we've, if we're honest. Now, rather the machine is more fond in our memory because there was at least a best-in-class sniper and there were memorable primaries because of their synergistic perks there were never perks like that in Destiny before Bungie could kind of send those out on like a last hurrah like they kind of did that and truth be told if Destiny 1 would have continued for another year and if Leviathan would have been the next raid none of the weapons in Leviathan would have been that exciting compared to the Wrath weapons and the only reason Midnight Coup was really celebrated was because of you know, because they actually nerfed explosive rounds. The Better Devils was the best hand cannon before they nerfed explosive rounds, and then everybody pivoted to Midnight Coup. And the and the Sins of the Past was only a really popular rocket launcher because we were super neutered in our power and our strength, and it was double primary. So so by and large, the way that the way that Leviathan would have landed as a follow-up to Wrath, people would have been like, these weapons suck in comparison. What is this? It's just a bunch of freaking basic weapons. And our Wrath weapons would have felt better. So I feel like Bungie kind of knew, that's ah, a last hurrah. We can kind of swing a little harder on the last raid of Destiny 1. And then they swung even harder with bringing back elemental primaries as exotics in, in Age of Triumph. So this system enables them to have an encased ecosystem of power where a raid weapon can land, be like Vision or Fatebringer. Not exactly. I'm not saying they're going to make carbon copies of those guns, but be the weapons that are the go-to and not just for the go-to one of the reasons we went with Fatebringer and Vision was because they were the only ones with an element they were the only elemental primaries in the game we need that feeling again we need that feeling of like those are the absolute best and as it's being brought up in chat if they're also stronger in the in the raid the way that Vault of Glass weapons were with Oracle Disruptor then guess what that weapon is never actually nerfed it never actually chopped down it only can't grow into the new new arenas you can always go back and run that raid whether there are bounties that they could make maybe make you do that maybe there could be cosmetics that make you go back in there you can always go back in there you can run them for nostalgia you can run them as a memory whatever like all oh, this would be fun to go do that weapon is still the best in there why because it would have something tantamount to oracle disruptor it would have a great role saucy perks but it's only end game viable in sort of the ethos and the ecosystem that it lived in as as opposed to being always viable lang solo Division 2 has recently announced armor specific to the game mode that you are playing, PvE or PvP. Would you like to see that in Destiny? I think anybody that's ever tried to tackle the frustrations of Destiny, um, I think anybody that's ever tried to tackle the frustrations of Destiny have come to the conclusion that a split sandbox would be super, super helpful. And it's presently not possible in, in this current engine and the way they built the game. So... My biggest concern with sunsetting, the one I'm really worried about, is the negating of old content. Old content becoming worthless. It's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, Eugene, because right now, 
you either have to go run old content to get something that's that's oh well that's the best shotgun and it's ancient content but you, if you want to get Icolos, that's one of the best shotguns. So you got to go run content that's not relevant. I don't know if that's exactly the best scenario. Also, you have to consider that if they do create raid weapons with weapon perks like Oracle Disruptor and they create really strong rolls, then anytime you go back into that content, those weapons are still viable and they're still you know worth using. And you might say, you know, this hand cannon isn't viable in the new raid, but it's just a great hand cannon that I want to have when I'm grinding strikes. It's just a great hand cannon when I'm working on bounties. And you go for it and you get it. And I know that might seem, well, that's kind of dumb. Who's going to go run a raid for a hand cannon for strikes and bounties? Consider that you're talking about a year later. How many people are really going back into any of the raids right now anyway and going for any of the loot? Who's going and running Leviathan in great numbers or any of them last wish or we the only reason we went to scourge was for the anarchy and so to me i don't even know if you're really hurting what's happening right now in great numbers there's not this giant groundswell of players going back into those old raids because well the midnight coup is still basically good again this is for the bit this is for the greater good i'm not saying that there's something disappointing about there's not something disappointing about that to be like well i'd go run that year old raid but all those weapons aren't infusible up to current power level of endgame so i'm not going to go run that year old raid i'm not going to say that that's not somewhat disappointing for that person but the greater good of the game is served by this Go run the new raid, you doofus. There's better weapons in there. They've got saucy perks. They're really strong. They were able to make better guns with better perks and more exciting legendaries because of the sunsetting system. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's a bit of a bummer. That raid's a year old and there's literally no reason to go run it. Also, consider this. They can always go back to a raid and breathe new life into it by updating the guns and the perks, updating the sunset infusion levels. Well, I'm grinding for the weapons that I already have. I mean, it could be all new weapons. Who knows? Like, this again is serving the greater good of the game. I don't think that what we're sacrificing... for Listen, any change like this is going to bring sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice something in order to gain something. We don't have... It's, it's, there's not infinite capital here. They got to give a little and lose a little, right? Or give a lot by losing a little, whichever it is, okay? So, I believe if the greater good of the game is served by some sacrifices, and if one of those sacrifices is a newer player coming into the game late, being like, there's no real reason for me to run that raid, I, I don't honestly think... Also think of it like this. Let's say in September, the new raid drops and the weapons are super dope and Bungie does do their, they make good on their promise. They make stronger legendaries. There's some saucy perks in there. They're really exciting. Okay. And a new person comes in and they're like, yeah, but my buddy was telling me about this gun in an old raid, but I I don't want to go get that now because it's not infusible. I don't think that's that big of a deal. None of the none of the loot back then is that interesting anyway. Most of the guns and the ray guns, like we've been talking about this for a really, really long time. Is anybody going to come into the game in a new ecosystem and a new ethos of stronger weapons and be like, yeah, but I wish I could go get a midnight coup and infuse it up. I wish I could go get a, a gospel from Garden and infuse it up. I don't think anybody's going to be saying that. They're going to be like, but the new guns are better. Why would I care about any of that old stuff? You'd have to fast forward to a year later, September of 2021, when people are like, I have to let go of my, 
my weapons from the Taken Queen and I have to I can't infuse them anymore and that's a big bummer and then this becomes a problem new players in 2021 would look back on the raid from 2020 and say oh those weapons were really saucy and great but if I get them now they're not end game viable you're listen to what you're creating You're creating a player that comes in really, really late to the party and is hardcore enough to care about endgame viability and raid loot. And they come in that late and care so much about a year-old raid. I think this is such a tiny, tiny fraction fringe piece of the potential player base right these are people that you think are going to come into the game they never ran a raid like let's say again they come in 2021 and they never touched the raid in 2020 they're coming in and they are so hardcore in their sentimentality that they want to become end game viable they want to run raids and they also care about a year old raid i just i don't think this is a giant portion of the player base you're creating people that are unlikely to exist because the most invested players the most hardcore the most end game focused players are playing a lot So it's very likely they will have run that raid. They will have those weapons. And then they're not infusible a year later. Well, they got to use them for a year and we shuffle forward anyway. Tons of people don't do this. I do this. Most players do this. You didn't go into Garden of Salvation running a bunch of year one stuff. Now, you might have had one or two one, you know, year one weapons like Ikelos or something, but by and large, most people shuffle forward on their own and I know you're like well I have to choose it this is going to be the same thing yet we're shuffling forward to stuff that's got more exciting stuff on it because the game can breathe a little bit more C1 Nick as a player who is relatively new I started with Forsaken can you explain what the issue with weapons was in D1 so in Destiny 1 the first year had in it a raid called Vault of Glass Vault of Glass had some of the best weapons to ever grace the game of Destiny not because they're so much better than what we have now, but at the time, they were just amazing. There was nothing else like them. There was an Arcan cannon called the Fatebringer, and a Solar Scout called the Vision of Confluence. There was an exotic called the Vex Mythoclast. It was a great time, okay? But Bungie swung pretty hard. They gave us weapons that were ridiculously strong, and a year later, they reset everything. You couldn't use that stuff anymore. You were playing in the Taken King DLC a year later, and you were picking up whites and greens and blues that were stronger than your stuff that you were coming in with. They basically hit like a soft reset button, okay? They hit a soft reset button. And in doing so, they upset a lot of people. Most of us were like, I love the game. There's new stuff to chase. This is really exciting. It's like a whole new game. It was kind of like Destiny 1.5. It was almost like a mini sequel to Destiny 1. And we loved it, okay? But the problem is, the same problem they had back then is the problem they have now. All the weapons they created in Taken King and King's Fall, King's Fall was the raid, they knew what were we're going to let them use this stuff for forever and they can infuse it. So 12 months from now, these guns are still going to be around. You better make them pretty basic and pretty safe because if they're too strong, we'll just have to nerf them all. And not surprising, the King's Fall raid had an exotic called the Touch of Malice and the Touch of Malice was so strong that it had to be nerfed a year later before the next DLC came out because it was going to ruin the new raid. And so this is to ensure that doesn't happen. It's like a a gun always hits a wall and it's encased in time. It's like, hey, you had a good run and you're still awesome in this ethos, in this ecosystem. But past this wall, no, there's new stuff to chase. There's new endgame content. There's new aspirational content. You can't go in there. You're too weak. They're encasing it in time so they don't have to constantly nerf and test stuff that might be too strong for new content. 
Um, Ackleson, do you think a good solution to making difficult weapons to acquire good would be to go to the year one D1 weapon system of all primaries being kinetic and all specials being elemental? You could get adept primaries when flawless trust. I think adept weapons are likely to be a thing. I actually have theorized that the Grandmaster loot will be that way. It'll be Grandmaster in its category, so it will be slightly better than the rest of the weapons, just like the adept weapons and trials will be slightly better than their non-adept counterparts. I think that's the direction they're going to go. Um, but I don't know if we want to go back to the kinetic and special. Like the, the, They've done too many things. There's too many weapons that don't fit that framework, like Arbalest and others. They can't really go back. And I know for a fact they don't want to. Uh, I'd Raider. With Trials of Osiris in the spotlight, what do you think Bungie needs to do in order to keep the competitive playlist relevant? Uh, keep cheating and DDoSing down. The player the player base will take care of the rest. MW2 Killer. With Bungie sunsetting weapons, do you think that they will push raids later into the season instead of the first few weeks? Oh, this is a good question. No, because you'll still be able to infuse current weaponry. So if I go into September and they've sunset year old weapons like let's just say they sunset all my year one and year two stuff that's not a problem i have stuff from the winter season the spring season and the summer season that's all still viable for that raid and i can infuse it up they don't have to push it back i have a pl- i have i have a pool of weapons that are completely fine they're viable i can go into the september raid with a bunch of loot from the sundial or whatever the loot is next season or the summer season it's not like you go into the new season and you're like everything i have is worthless i'm not going to be able to jump into the raid unless they push the date back you'll spend that first week leveling you'll use that you'll use that you know those drops to infuse the gear that you think is the best for end game content because you're going to have guns that are still viable there'll be a portion so you couldn't go into the raid with your midnight coup and your ikolos shotgun cuz they're capped they can no longer be infused past a certain level they get left behind only in end game they're still usable but they don't they're not end game viable that's if we get a new raid I believe we will get a new raid in September. I believe we will get one new raid a year. I do not think we're going to get any more raids or raid layers along the way. I don't think they have the bandwidth for it. It's far more likely we get one raid per year that's good and sizable the way that Garden of Salvation was. And this system should, should benefit the loot pool of the raids to have much more interesting loot. If if you're one of the new names in chat, if you're one of the new people here and you've enjoyed this... It's like an interactive podcast. We're going to keep streaming and discussing. I'm not shutting the stream down. I'm just letting you know. An easy way to support what I do is to click the follow button and turn on notifications. Uh, I do a little outro here because if you like these episodes, they actually hit other platforms. You can listen to these sessions, these Q&A sessions and talks on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and even on YouTube. So if you want to go back and binge listen to all my stuff or listen to it when you can't make a live stream, that's where all the stuff goes. And I do a little outro for those other platforms. So the stream is going to continue going. We're going to keep talking these discussions have been great i appreciate all the people who have been disagreeing with me if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube you can always catch me live and as always please like share and subscribe